0: Ronaldo's got that twist now and pivot in the air. Yeah, I look at him doing that and I'm thinking, oh, be careful. Yeah. That's like cruise <laughs> That's potential cruise shit in <laughs> the making. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream, wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. The summer is over. It's been raining this weekend. The club championship is back, and Paddy Anders is still coming home from holidays. It's episode 21 of the Football <laughs> Pod. How are we doing, boys? Good, good, bro. Patty, good. fill the listeners in. Where were you this week?
1: I shot over to, to London this weekend, <laughs> to, uh, over to Andy's good buddy, Baza put on a, a great show for us at the, uh, the North London Derby there on Sunday, so beautiful, sun was shining in London, no rain over there, 22 degrees, and Arsenal played the best game they've played in about 10 years, so. The atmosphere
2: was unreal, Paddy, was it? It was
1: there, well, was just we were only chatting afterwards, it's as good as it gets for Arsenal to win, to beat them, and like I said, they haven't played well in about 10 years, yeah, and as a United fan going in, I kind of sat back and relaxed, and uh, i was a good game. It was a great game to be at, and a bit of crack with the lads. And- your buddy came out and met us afterwards for a bit of a bit of crack as well. So, yeah, let's go try to squeeze all the holidays in, guys.
0: We've had a year and a half of doing nothing, so you can shoot over to London for, for a day. Why not? You're an event junkie, I and mean, you know what? You're really good at picking the right events as well. Ronaldo's debut, Arsenal's best performance in a couple of years, and the Emirates look really nice as well. It looked really slick. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's that was Paddy's weekend, Andy. But
2: here's the idea for the next 10 pods we can do. Paddy's little holiday review. Yeah. Four minutes of review. like
0: Thomas here. No frontiers. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you weren't away this weekend, were
2: you? No, we club championship. We got hit by Westport. I was doing okay, lads. I was doing okay, right? So it was, it was going okay. And then after the last quarter break, I run into full forward and Lee Keegan comes in and me. <laughs> <laughs> very demoralizing for a 37 year old who's who's passed well past well that that then, yeah. yeah well past his best but um yeah we came second but um yeah it was a good game you were talking
0: afterwards and from listening to you and we're not going to do a full breakdown of your post-match interview here but <laughs> you
2: were but some of this. you had a
0: you had a tough enough on first half you were nine two down and then you came out and there was a bit of a comeback in the second half
2: yeah so we, we 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 very very poor first half we were yeah they 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 destroyed us it could have been more to be honest now we could have popped in a few as well, but they could have they could have got fourteen, fifteen points in the first half. They, they, they missed a good few chances, but we came out second half we were outstanding, to be honest. And we got it back, but then they had a few quali- they had a bit of quality coming off the bench. They had Colin Moore, who, who was in the Mio squad. They had Ben Doyle, who was in the Mio squad. Ocean McLaughlin, who's past member of uh, a senior squad as well, under twenty-one player a couple of years back. And uh, they had a bit of quality, bit of va coming off the bench, as they say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to. yeah it took us, and they, they, we were like, we got back to level. Fifty-five, fifty-six 56 minutes, but they just pulled away with a goal and a couple of points the, at the end. So, no, no, we'd be very happy with the second half response and hopefully we play again this Saturday. So, we need, okay. we need a quick turnaround.
0: Best of luck on that one, Andy.
2: Yeah. Paddy,
0: uh, one bit of news this week was Jack O'Connor coming in at Kerry. Like, he brought in <laughs> Jerem Murphy, he's brought in Mihal Quirk. You know, Kerry have moved fast, so we've got a winter now of previewing what Kerry are going to be like in 2022. Yeah, well,
1: look... look. <laughs> I thought straight away once he'd stepped down from Kildare that he probably had a bit, bit of background there that he was told that the job was his. So he was surprised when over the last kind of 10 days or so there was different people being put forward and it looked like it might have gone in a different direction. Uh, but, but ultimately it's gone, gone to Jacko. And like I say, once, I, I don't think from any of the conversations or interviews he would have done that he was going to leave Kildare until... Once Peter Keane, obviously, was under pressure after a semi-final defeat, he came out and did that uh, pretty ballsy interview in terms of throwing his name in the hat. And then he stepped down from Kildare. So I just assumed straight away that, that, that he was going to be the man. Um, he's had massive success with him in the past. He obviously feels he can bring that back. I mean, he's gone into a job with some serious raw materials there. Like, they've got outstanding players. They've fallen short under Peter Keane and we saw how disappointed Peter Keane and, and his management team would have been. You, you know, ultimately when you're in Kerry it's about winning the All Ireland. And anything less is is seen as disappointment. They would have been gutted with obviously last season against Cork, but would have felt again they probably underperformed against against Tyrone. So lucky he's gone in. It's September. They've they've two or three months work to get done, which I'm sure Jacko will have grand plans to get them up and running. Uh, to kind of hit the ground running at the start of the National League ne- next season. So, look, it's an interesting appointment and that they have moved pretty quick. There's obviously a couple of other things going on with, with, with other counties, but he fancies it. He's had the glory days before and... Mm they're going to be putting serious pressure on them uh, to bring them back. So very interesting to watch what
0: happens there and who else kind of rounds off as management team as well. 100%. It's going to be really interesting. So over the next 10 weeks or so on the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy, we're going to be keeping an eye on some of the club championships, some of the breaking news. We'll be talking special congress and the potential changes or... As we're hearing in the background, the fact that there may not be any changes to the structures at all in 2022. We'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. We have some big interviews planned here on the Football Pod. I can't reveal who they are yet, but you will hear it as we as we bring you each episode. Every Tuesday on the OTP Sports app. This week on the Football Pod of Paddy and Andy, we're doing something a little different. I'm going to jump into the background and we're going to leave the two boys here. Paddy Andrews on the left, Andy Moore on the right. I'm going to give Andy the mic straight off. And Andy Morin is going to interview Paddy. So Andy, the gloves are off. You can ask Paddy whatever you want. We're going to take a quick break here on the football pod first, and when you come back, you'll be with your host, Andy Morin. So that's this, it.
1: This could be the longest podcast. The two of us interviewing each other. This could go on for about four hours.
0: Well, I, I I'm, a, I'm able to produce. This back is a now. week's it's like... worth of podcasts for <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, this is going to be good. I'm really looking forward to this. So I'll be back with you in a. In a we'll give it 45 minutes, an hour, maybe and uh, we'll leave the two of you to your own devices so that's it episode 21 of the football pod of Paddy and Andy coming up next
2: Yeah, Welcome back to the football pod with myself Paddy Andrews Uh, (laughs) in the next section I'm going to interview Paddy Andrews uh, about his life and times we might even bring in Roddy Collins a few other (laughs) friend of the pod Roddy Collins we might even mention him but we'll go through a few uh, Fits, Paddy, and I suppose you'll come back at me then and we'll we, we see how we get on. But it, like My key thing, Patty, is that I think over the last while we we're, we're trying to get our own experiences and get other people to learn, learn from them. So it's very easy to look at you and look at your 12 years of playing, 11 Leinster titles, 7 All-Irelands, and 5 National Football Leagues and just think, I suppose everything was rosy over, over, over that period. But when I look b- back and I delve back into it and we kind of touched on it over the last couple of, couple of, couple of weeks, like, in 2010, Dublin go on and win an All-Ireland Under-21 title under Jim Gavin. You've played three years Under-21 just before that, you miss out. Um, then the winter of 2011, you're sitting there and Dublin just won their first title in since 95. Um do you know how, like, where, where are you there? Like, where's your mindset at? What's the learnings? What's the self-reflection you went through to to get yourself back in to be that player that wins eleven Leinster, seven All-Irelands, and five NFLs? And I think in the world we live in, in work, life, sports, education, everything, everyone is getting setbacks. But I think we look at this Dublin team and think there's a crewy there that got no setback, and you just all of a sudden just took off, and this is the way it was. But when you look into your career, there was setbacks how
1: did you deal with them and where did you go from yeah look it is and and i've kind of spoken with this briefly before since i kind of retired and and look back because the the headline stuff look when you look back on your career it is kind of you're judged on i suppose honors and things like that What what did you win and and that can mask a lot of the actual journey itself and and for me certainly um i played i would have been uh, Reasonably high profile, underage player in Dublin, uh, played three years with a minor team. We never won anything. This, this was like, we didn't even make a Leinster final. That this was kind of 0, 04, 05, 06. I was captain in 06 and we lost to Offaly, who, who in the Leinster semi final, never even got to Crow Park. Then, like you say, played three years under 21. Same story the first two years. We don't win a Leinster title, and literally my, my sixth and final year of underage football with Dublin in 2009. We actually win. We win the Leinster championship. Jim Gavin's the coach. We lose to Cork. We all Ireland semi final. A great Cork team who went on and won it. Uh, to the O'Neill and Kieran Sheehan and these guys. But we lose by a point, and we hit 17 wides. And and yours truly kicked six at them. Like a game we should not have lost. And it was just a common team, but you know underperformance myself my, kind of not a whole pile of self-awareness for me at that time I just assumed I played all these years underage I'd a kind of tip to be a senior player for Dublin and was kind of just cruising really at that that point and that can happen with a lot of underage players that even though on the face but looking back now we weren't performing I wasn't getting the best of myself and certainly our underage teams weren't we, we weren't Dublin should have been competing to win all Ireland titles we, we, we couldn't even win Leinster so I kind of carried that mentality in. And sure enough, in 2008, I made my uh, debut with Dublin under Pillar Caffrey. Same story. Uh, I was 19. I played a couple of championship games, and then we lost to Throne in that uh, All-Ireland quarterfinal in 2008. Dublin were kind of struggling at that point. Uh, we'd won Leinster titles at, at senior level. But again, similar to our under scenes, we, we weren't in the mix to win All-Irelands. Pat Gilroy comes in in 2009. I'm playing again. Same story we get, get hammered in that famous game against Kerry in the All-Ireland quarterfinal by 17 points. And me at this point was still kind of, I was thinking, I'm grand here, I'm 20, 21 years of age. I played championship games for Dublin and just assumed that I was on the right track. When I really, looking back, and particularly to where I finished my career and, and the preparation and the focus I had, and, and particularly the whole team, like, like the, the journey of that team went on and the culture that was there at the end of my career, it was chalk and cheese where I was at starting out as an underage player. And that kind of came to a head where where, where after Dublin lost the 2009, and this has been spoken about a lot, Pat Gilroy really just said about this whole culture needs to change. Everything from, from, not just me, all the players, our attitude, our preparation. And I know, Andy, you you guys probably went through something similar with James when he came in, that that Mayo had had kind of struggled for a couple of years. And the whole thing needed to be revised and revisited. And we needed to really question everything we were doing. So Pat started this process in 2010, got to an All-Ireland semi-final. So the team was moving on, but I wasn't. I was still in my, my phase. Look,
2: that. Give, us a, give us an example. So what, what what were you not moving on with? Like, cause I, you don't... I was still
1: going out having a crack with my mates hanging around with, with, with the lads from school and going on to beer and in college and things like that. We actually won the Sigerson Cup in 2010. Yeah, I was yeah. captain. So it was a Sigerson Cup winning captain. And, and that was a team that had Brian Cullen, Philly McMahon, Cahill Craig, Brian Sheridan, these guys, uh, really t- t- top inter-county players from around the country. And I was the captain and we won it. And that kind of nearly just fed like I probably shouldn't have been, to be honest, but, but Noel Mine may be captain and we won it. And, and we had a great time. And, um, but I was still kind of, I still wasn't, I wasn't being as professional as I needed to be. And, and you can kind of say I was 21, 22 years of age. That can happen with a lot of players, but the penny hadn't dropped for me. And, is, that
2: miss, is that missing sessions or is that just not recovering properly?
1: No, no, not, not, never like missing sessions, but just not. We touched on it, Andy, particularly when we're talking about towards the end of our career, how we finally started maximizing our potential. And we, we look at players and we're talking about someone like Darren McCurry last week. I wasn't doing anything extra. I didn't think I needed to. I was like just cruising, and I'd, I'd go train, and then I'd go meet the lads, uh, recovery stuff, your diet, everything. It was just I was assuming that my talent alone would would, would be enough because it had to that. Like I said, I played underage. I, I, like say Sigerson Cup winning and Captain, you're thinking, geez, you're you're taking it out of boxes here. But Pat, to be fair to him, knew there was way more there, and he he, he challenged me a couple of times on it, and and the penny just wasn't dropping for me. So, so even though Dublin were starting to change and they were getting a bit of steel, and they won, it, they bet their own for the first time in 2010 mm. in the quarterfinal, and they lose to Cork, and Cork won to beat down in the final, and, and Dublin probably could have won that, that, that All-Ireland semi final against Cork. So the die was cast, the culture was changing, people were working harder, they were trying to get every last drop out of it, and I wasn't. So 2011 comes around, and I'm not playing still. And this is I've been on the squad, like I say, for three years. So your apprenticeship should really be over at that point. You, you know what I mean? You've done that. Now it's kind of step into the first team and and, and develop and, and become a bit of a leader there. And I wasn't. And, and Pat basically just turned around. At the, at the end of the National League, we lost to Cork. We were seven or eight points up against Cork in the 2011 League final. Uh, and we lost the game. So there was, there was still vulnerability there in that Dublin team. And, and Pat was raging after it. And I, I'd i been a sub, hadn't really done anything in the National League, and was still going out with my mates. And he basically just turned around and goes, "Look, you're gone. Get out of here. I don't know what to do with you. Go back to your club. And it was only at that point. This is incredible. Immaturity and the, the kind of lack of, like I would say, self-awareness was a big thing. That It took for that to finally happen for me to kind of cop on.
2: And did you, like w- when that call came from Pat, right, did you have like that two weeks where that month where you go, I couldn't give a shit crap about that I couldn't give a shit about that
1: and you move on or was it straight away or was it like no, to, 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 to be honest Andy it was it kind of hit straight away because okay. I just believe it or not and again looking back you're going Jesus what planet was that I didn't really see it coming which yeah. is you know, if you're if you're dropped or guys have been anyone listed upon but dropped off a squad or they're not playing you kind of get a sense you know you're under pressure whereas me I, was, I couldn't I was like what's Pat what's Pat ringing me for here <laughs> you yeah. know it was that so it did kind of hit straight away and then as the summer develops you're kind of yeah you go through phases you're like oh geez, I don't really I don't care and you're trying to put a brave face because like say you're only I was 22 at the time 23 I think I turned 20, 22 or 23 and then Dublin start going on this run and they they beat Tyrone in the All in the semi-final in the rain a brilliant one of their best performances and you just got the sense they're actually going to win this Dublin are going to win the Ireland for the first time and uh, it, it was sixteen years and it, it became it was hard for me, I have to say, Andy. I was I was I was good at it. absolutely good. At it. I'll never forget that the the final
0: Glucko
1: mm-hmm. kicks the point against Kerry. I, I didn't even go. Yeah, uh, I didn't go to it. I watched it at home on my own uh, in my parents' house. Uh, my and remember dad went out and watched it the video I kinda of wanted to watch it on my own. I actually cried at the end of it. Yeah. I was good at it because I, I just I'd been on that journey and, and I would have had were very close with some of the guys in that team and it was an incredible moment. It was, it was one of the most iconic moments for, for GAA, and obviously what subsequently has happened. And I just, I was like, I've completely, I'd no, I had nothing to do with it. I'd let myself down and, and wasn't, what didn't contribute. And what an opportunity there was at 23, really should be coming into my prime. I played for three or four years and I just basically mugged myself off really more than anything and that's a hard place to be but you know what it was probably the lesson I needed to learn and it was but I, but I, think,
2: I think that's a key thing like I, I went through the retirement um, mm. phase I genuinely thought me all were going to win the learning this year and like I, I'm well over if I'm being honest I'm well over the you know, I don't feel like I'm missing out but I still had to prepare myself for that moment okay. that if me all win here, am I comfortable with this, Joe, am I? Now, I could say then, yes, I was, but I still had to mentally prepare myself. So I can imagine you in that situation, 22, 23, maybe not have developed mentally at that stage, missed out on the under 21, missed out on the senior. Mm-hmm. Joe, I, I think a lot of people, Paddy, find themselves in that place. And you have you have two choices to make there. You have a yeah. choice to say, right, this is not for me. Let's move on and let's go traveling. Or you have a choice then to say, right, what do I do? So then you go in, that, that was the winter that you go to the Leinster final with Bridget's? Yeah. And like, is it a mental switch? Is it, is it something that said, that you said, Joe, you know, did you talk to Rory Gallagher or did you talk to someone that was a pather Did someone, or was it just you that said, you yeah. want buddy, cop on here?
1: You're a you're fatality because it is. It's too You kind of sit down and, and decide. And nearly and the easy way is to kind of say, well, maybe blame everyone else. This is what I started with McCurry last week but when he was dropped in 18 the easy thing to do is go Mickey Hart doesn't have a clue or for me uh, Pat Hillary doesn't have a clue he doesn't know what he's on about and just move on and, and try and, and, and fake it basically and, and pretend that it doesn't really matter to you and put on this brave face and go like you say go travelling with the lads and stuff like that and that's fine there's no issue with that if you want to do that but be totally confident that that's what you want to do don't do it and pretend or You suck it up and say, well, you know what? Maybe it's time you look in the mirror and talk to people around you. And and I was very fortunate, like my parents, like my brothers had played. uh, And my club St. Bridget's like we were a really good team at that time. We guys like Jerry McEntee and, and people involved in the club and just kind of started talking to them. And they could see that it did mean a lot. And even though I could try and put a brave face on it, they knew I really want Declan Darcy was a massive, massive part of this for me as well. And who would go on and then we'd have an amazing time with Dublin. But at, but at that time I would have would have known Declan very well and be friends and a family and stuff like that. And had these conversations. Just go, right. This is what you need to do. If you really want to do it and you really believe you're good enough, because bear in mind, Andy, at that time as well, you're, you're doubting yourself as well. Maybe they are right. Maybe I'm not good enough to do this. But to be fair to, to, to Pat. I'd always said, you have the talent to do this. That's not in question. It's everything else. Um, and having those conversations with people and having the right coaches and and friends and family around you to go and do it. And, and do you know what it also does, Andy, as well? It makes you accountable as well. Mm. Because when, when, when you turn around and say to these people, and you, you see you're really low, and you go, look, I really want to play with Dublin. I want it, it. It is a dream. I'd love to win an. Ireland. you're telling them they're going to put, under, put you under pressure and hold you accountable to that going, well if you want to do that we'll start putting in the hard yards and I was very fortunate to have the people and coaches around me to, to do that and it was like a really Andy it was a light bulb moment I would have rather I didn't need that kicking the hole of missing in all Ireland but sometimes some players need that and that, like, not just in sport in life you need to have a massive setback Ideally, you don't, but, but in most cases, you do to to kind of make you realize and understand, okay, I need to start paying the price here. And we touched on it so many times in this part, Drew. and for me, I always said this, my Dublin career started in January 2012, not in January 2008. The four years i have done before that. I was selling myself short and selling the team short um, and it was a valuable, valuable lesson for me to, to where I was able to finish with my career and I'm, I'm very grateful that it happened despite missing out on, on that incredible day in 2011.
2: Yeah, like me and you have a similarities I suppose in the way we kind of played and we're back, we played in backs and we played in forwards and we, like even the ball win and stuff like that so we, there, there is similarities in it but where we're very kind of different is that you were, I wasn't a star underage. I was making squads, mm. never getting on the teams, getting dropped, Do you know, at minor, then at 21s, I was a bit better, uh, but I was yeah. always the fella that maybe, I was the maybe guy, where you were the guy, you were the Kyle Coney's, they had no shades of 2008, mm. where you were, you were the man, you were playing under 17 Ireland with Pierce Handley and Gary mm. Brennan and these guys, Michael Murphy, so you were the guy that Dublin were looking to, to come through. Now, right, so one, did that put extra pressure on you? And secondly, when you had to change in eleven and the, the winter of eleven and twelve was it just attitude or did you change something in your game
1: uh, I, I think attitude was the biggest thing yeah and, and to be was it did I feel pressure or underage? not not really i should have I probably should have because like I say I was kind of tipped to be the, the, this big star with dublin, but i wasn 't delivering like like I was on these teams I played three years minor, I was a captain and things like that. But we didn't win anything. <laughs> this was this the other thing as well. I was kind of just thinking, well, the feats didn't hurt me enough. But I would say back then, it was just like, I was just plodding along. Drifting. I, I, I always use that phrase, I was drifting. I was just kind of, talent will get me here. I'll be fine. I had a great time. Great friends, great crack, all that stuff. But if you're talking about a serious footballer and trying to win, I'd, I'd regret not winning Underage All Ireland's. Like, I thought we had teams and players like Dermot Connolly, uh, Keno Sullivan, Johnny Cooper. These guys. We, we, I think we under. No, like we did underperform. But we didn't win a minor All Ireland title an under twenty-one All Ireland title. That that came later for Dublin. You know, that the three or four years after and the guys like Kenny and McCaffrey and Mannion, they won multiple All Irelands and underage. I, I I would regret not doing that. But but the biggest thing without a doubt, on it was attitude. hundred percent. I said skill was was there, but. I wasn't we, we touched on it so many times maximising the potential it's like the tagline of the pod when we're talking about teams I wasn't I really really wasn't um, and the attitude it was out was the biggest thing the, the stuff like nutrition and, and, and analysis and preparation that all comes as as GA and Dublin in particular put a real focus on that as a, as a group and you buy into that but just having the mentality to know that you need to do that I didn't think I needed to because I was Having playing underage and playing with Ireland and and, and Cups with DCU and stuff like that I was cutting corners and didn't think I needed to so, so the attitude I see the penny dropping and, and having a big setback and having and this, is where, where, this was Pat Gilroy brilliant he, he challenged lots he challenged all those players like I say they copped on before I did but, but that was Pat's thing that's what was needed at the time and why he's such a Successful guy in business, and, and but, but but what he did with Dublin was was incredible, in creating that culture and being challenged, and being taken out of your comfort zone was without a doubt what I needed, and I, I now packed quite well. I'm gonna chat with him lots of time since, and we've a laugh about it now because it was so right. But at the time, I was like, Jesus.
2: You laugh about Antoine, you're 7 0 earnings, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I, yeah, to be honest, if we, didn't win, if we didn't win one after that, I don't know. If we'd be yeah,
2: laughing. yeah, you might be too, you yeah. me laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Me? Like, and then, like, when you see it, then you see the likes of Paul Flynn, yeah. uh, Michael Darren McCauley, James McCarthy, these guys, Ono Garrett coming in, right? And they're. So I would say you were a footballer first. Yeah. And I don't mean this derogatory to any of the boys. Like McCarthy, you know what I think of him. I think he's the most important player. He probably nearly produced, Barrett Cluxton. Uh, Flynn was probably the best wing forward of seeing Michael Aaron McCauley gets uh, um, footballer of here. the year. And Ono Garrett was so effective in so many different games, right? But you see them coming in as athletes and they really developed their skills into footballers where you probably took a tiny bit different of a route. You were probably the footballer first and was it that athletic form that you need to build as, to, 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 to get yourself back in?
1: Oh, oh, well, hundred percent, yeah. Without it, out, and that—that that was my—that was my mindset. That, that my football alone would get me there because when you're playing underage and stuff like that, your physique—I was quite a big kid, so you kind of get away with that. Whereas when you the step from underage football to senior club, and what, and then to senior inter county, it is a world win. And, and that's what you talk about only the very, very best come up and do this straight away. Like Clifford as an example. We had it with Jack McCaffrey and Kirk Lechelieu. Not many players do that. It takes two, three years to, to, to build the, the mental toughness, the aerobic capacity to get up and down the pitch, physicality to, to, to win ball, particularly in the, in the full forward line to win your own ball to be able to go boy guys you're playing 27 28 29 year old fully grown men, and you're 19 coming in it takes time to do that and and I was just relying on my on my talent alone would get me there and, and the worst thing Andy was that, that sometimes it did so there'd be glimpses and like I play well under my first year with pillar in a game and then, we do something with the college or we'd, we'd go out on the club championship. And it was those little nuggets that were like false, false signs, but they were given, that's what I was focusing on. Whereas I, I would find that later in my career, the more experience i become, I always focused on the, the, the negative. Where do I improve? What areas did I not, did not go well today? Yes, I scored three or four points, but I missed two shots. And I'd go out and hammer those shots for the whole week in training. I was focusing on my, my weak points and trying to improve every aspect. We're on the other side, when I was a kid, I was just saying, oh, well, it was great. I'm kind of nearly a blind spot. I'm not going to focus on that. Um, and you can't do that. You cannot do that. Like I say, very, very, very few players in Gaelic football or any sport can get away with that. That talent alone will get them through. You have to have the sacrifice and work right with it. And that's what I was missing. It was attitude.
2: That I have kind of observed from the outside of of you guys that you were very good at self-analyzing each other and yourselves. Um, And I, I I don't know if that came from Gilroy or Jim Gavin or Declan Darcy or where it came from or through the underage structures, but it's like something that you got into your mentality where you were like always kind of saying right we're playing and again not being uh, dismissive to the counties but the Wexfords the Wicklows all these guys through the years and you're pounding them by 20 points because you it looked like you were searching for something you were searching for something extra there you know you weren't letting them off the hook you were kind of saying we're competing against ourselves here slightly is that true to say?
1: Oh without a doubt without without a doubt and that kind of Look, to be honest, that really kicked off with, like, like, Pat kind of broke the back and we won the All-Ireland in 2011. That was a mental thing, the mental lift for all the players. And like say, when you're talking about setback, like, Cluxton, Bernard Brogan, Dermot Connolly, Paul Flynn, something. they were all playing in these games. It was when, when Kerry embarrassed you. We lose a heartbreaking semi-final against Cork. So there were setbacks for all of those guys, despite what has come on and what they've achieved afterwards. So the win in 11 was a massive mental thing, whereas what Jim came in and the genius of Jim was this kind of culture of, you know, and people laugh about the process. Like every single time we took the pitch, we had targets of what we want to achieve. It was never a case, and, and people laugh at you, they don't believe you. So, like, if we were playing Wicklow, we're playing Wex, we are playing whoever, and we're, we're red-hot favourites, we were still going out to perform. Yes, 99 times out of 100, we we understood we're, we're probably going to win this game, no matter what, really. Um, but performance was the biggest thing. And everyone, that's hard to get everyone to buy into that, Andy. And, and, and you know, when you've got 30, 35 guys, and everyone outside is telling you, that game is, you're going to win that game by 20 points. Why, why does it matter? Our focus was on performance and, and that that was driven from the coaches, but then also the players. And we were very fortunate to have some brilliant leaders guys, guys like Stephen and, and Johnny Cooper and these guys and great coaches that that was driven into us. And you're right, it was always about no matter what the score was, and guys like I've been coming in off the bench or, or Kevin McMenimum or Conor McCostar coming off the bench. Now I have to perform. That's, that's my chance even if it's 10 minutes and we're winning by 15 points I need to take the right options I can't be selfish I can't try and kind of force scores myself I need to perform for the team or else I'm just not going to play and we were very blessed that we had the coaches who demanded that and um, the players the depth of the squad we had the players had to buy into that because if you didn't you were gone you just weren't going to play everyone everyone's place was on the line no matter who you were whether it was Bernard Brogan or whether it was uh, myself co- co- coming in or a younger guy coming in, you had to apply. Though you had to kind of play to those standards, otherwise someone else is going to take your spot. So that was, was a, a,
2: that was that was a key advantage you had to eat. He, You'd always
1: it was a massive it was a massive <laughs> thing, Andy, because yeah. like you, you'll know going into the coach and you've seen in teams and we touched on this in, in earlier pods as well. It's easy for coaches to say this to players. And every coach wants this to be the case. But if the star players know they're the star players and know there's no danger of someone taking their place or they don't have that depth or the quality there, are you going to get 100% buy? Maybe, but but more than likely you probably won't. Whereas with Dublin, because of the squad we had, it was a brilliant situation for Jim was brilliant for us, but also the players were brilliant for Jim because he knew he, he, he just put it on to the players. He goes, look, if you don't do it, I don't care. You just won't play. Someone else will. And he'll be every bit as good as you. So Paddy, if you don't do it, well, mm. Kevin McMenamin will do it and he's just going to take your place. So, so it was, it was a perfect storm nearly for both sides. And it was, a, it was a really, it was a massive, massive advantage for us to have that.
2: Uh, they, like Just bringing you back, right? So you've worked through you, you had key influencers when you, were, when you were a young guy. You had Rory Gallagher at Fed, yeah. I think, 16s, whatever, maybe. Massive coach, yeah. Yeah, a bit of minor. So you go through that 22, 23, 24. Like when you get to 23, 24, then, and you're, you're on the pitch and you're kicking, you're kicking, you're kicking, you're trying to get yourself back into the Dublin squad, you have the dream winner of all Ireland. Do the messages then that, because I know myself, I had John Amani when I was a young guy. Yeah, his messages nearly became more clear to me at 25 than they were at 19. So, like, could you hear the messages that Rory was trying to tell you at 14, 15, 16, when you got to 23 and you were trying to get your way back?
1: Yeah, and that's like you can't underestimate the, the influence of of having you know a brilliant teacher or a brilliant coach. Because, like, you go out on the pitch and you do it yourself. But, but, but like, say, even when you're totally bought into it you're doing all the right things. You, you still might have areas, blind spots that you're thinking, just I think of doing everything right, but having a sounding board there, like you say, every player I think has this sounding, you know, there, there's people, you listen to throne boys over the last couple of weeks, they're thanking their club coaches or their teachers and things like that because everyone plays a part in that journey. And that's the beauty of the GAA that, that you have that sort of mentality and that community there. and And certainly for me, like you would say, two thousand and thirteen was Jim's first year with Dublin. That was my breakout year. You know, I touched on it last week. He plays me in the national league and I score, play well and get man out of the match in a couple of league games. And it was just having Declan Darcy there, kind of in the background, or Jim himself. You know, like I played underage with Jim and just have given you the confidence and saying, yeah, that was really good. Here's a maybe a area you can prove on for next week. And and this is what I was touching on with with Tyrone and new coaches this year. Once you start seeing tangible benefits from the sacrifices you're making, you're just like you'll do anything then. <laughs> you, you know,
2: like
1: Tim and, and Deck and the coaches and, and Martin Kennedy, who was our strength and conditioning guy at the time, he's with the IRFU now. Brilliant, brilliant guy in terms of getting physically ready to play. Um, and obviously, we, we played Cork in the National League in the opening game of 2013 in Pro Park under lights, and we score five points for play and get man at a match. And after that, I just go, oh, my God. Like sitting in the dressing room with one of the dodgy bits of crystal, the fake crystal that you get off, off hats. <laughs> the thing probably melted there about two weeks later. Um, but just sitting there looking at it, kind of going, why was I not doing this? Yeah. I've wasted four years of my career. I put in the work, doing all, making all the sacrifices, totally bought into this. James giving me an opportunity. He's giving back in me this is what's achievable. So, so then the, literally the whole season, I'm like, I'll do anything else. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll train twice a day, every day of the week, because this is what it's about. That feeling of going out and performing in Crow Park and performing with your teammates. And remember after the game, getting out of the match and like it was Jer Brennan at the time, you know, a brilliant player, Vincent's come going fair play, Patty. like shaking her hand like, and just going, Jesus, like you have so much respect for these guys. And, now they could they could kind of see as well, I'd say, from the outside now, this fella's finally kind of copped on a bit. Uh, so, so so once that happens, once you see a tangible reward for the sacrifice you're putting in, it just makes it so much easier to buy in. You you need that. You need to have vindication and validation, really. And that's what, what we said to, for bringing it back to Throne this year, that their win over Donegal was a massive thing for them. Beating a big team and, and then you could just see the confidence they got from that they got better every game after that and for me my journey as a player that, that, that was massive having the coaches there to back it and then finally getting the reward for it and then it's like like I say, how was I not doing this it was so obvious at that point you know
2: and, and for the people listening for the underage coaches because I'm Kind of did coaching at the club at the minute, and mm. I see the other guys there, and they're looking for no, they're looking for no validation, at all. they're looking for no credit, they're looking for nothing. They're just doing mm. it because they might help you along their journey. And I think the key message, what I'm catching out of that, is yes, you got the tangible reward, but how did you get there? You, you're you're a superstar young player, you're three years minor for Dublin. I, I, don't, I don't say that, um out of disrespect in any way, but to play three years minor for Dublin is insane. The only one I knew that did that was Brian Cullen, I thought. I didn't know mm-hmm. you did it. You played three years under 21 and yet you see yourself sitting away from the team mm-hmm. for 12, 14 months. Really hard. And what gets you back there is getting out on your pitch, kicking footballs and yeah. analysing stuff that you could get better at. Like, literally not looking at the stuff that gets you good. Of course, you have to de- develop that, mm-hmm. but saying, right, I scored three points. What did I do wrong? How can I make this better? Yeah. And then 12 months later, you're in Crow Park, first round in the National League, you're scoring five points against Cork and you have a bit of, as you call it, fake crystal in your hand. And it, <laughs> but it's Some people, I, I think people do struggle, Paddy, and I think that was the key message there, just emphasising. emphasise I think people do struggle to see how you got from sitting in your couch in your mum's house, crying at clubs yeah. in the winner, to get <laughs> man in the match 14, 15 months later in Crow Park. And that was just, simply by saying, How do I get better here? Yeah. Where do I make changes in my life? But where do I make changes in but,
1: my but, it's it's having the the mentality to, to accept that. And and like you say, that that's some players, some people are mature, more mature than others. Some people are, are really mature when they're 16, 17. Some people, it takes their 25, 26. Some people never get it. <laughs> you know, and that's, it's like, that's where it's important to have those conversations with the people around you, like having it, that, that's kind of support network right, with your family, your friends, your coaches in the club, your teachers in school or, or in the university. And, and having the, the, the mentality to say, OK, I was wrong here. I need to, what I was doing was not right. I'll hold my hands up there. I'll admit that now I really want to do this. How do I get better? And, and like I say, some players, and it can be hard for players, like ego gets in the way of these things, particularly if you're an underage star, and then you would have come across loads of players in your time. And, and, and I was the same later on in my career where you're just thinking the penny's just never gonna drop at these guys. And it doesn't happen for you know that the clubs are littered around the country with players like that, that what might have been. That's and that's not just GA in, in any sport, and I, I realized how lucky I was that that I had the people around me and the coaches. Yeah, and yes, that, that I put the work in and that's why it was such a massive thing for me to get to get dropped and for Dublin to win the All Ireland. I could have been on that squad. Pat could have just said, "You know what? We've, come on, we, we let them off. It'd be very harsh if we dropped them one the All mm. Pat was ruthless. <laughs> And he did it for my own benefit. I could have stayed in that squad, have been a sub, and never really played, and not really contributed, and won that All Ireland. And I tell you what, I don't think i would have been much use to Jim Gavin for the next seven or eight years if that was the case. We didn't learn that lesson because I probably still wouldn't have. You know, well, so
2: the it's... ego thing is is the key. You <laughs> yeah. cut back saying, "Pat Gilroy has dropped me. He's done it for this reason." Mm. Yes, of course you want that little bit of grit, in you to say, "I proved." <laughs> Okay. Um, of course you
1: have that as well. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, you need a bit of that. You need a bit of jealousy and envy of the boys, what they did. Respect them with jealousy and envy. I mm-hmm. want some of that. But then you need to go and put the work in. And if you can identify, and I think you've said it there, if you can identify the small areas of improvement mm-hmm. and go to work on them, the world is your oyster. And I, I as you said there, like me personally, like like, I've never been the most talented footballer, never been there, but like, I've seen fellas losing out and still at 40, complaining about a manager that dropped when they were 20. And I'm Yay. like, surely yeah. you can see that you're. Yeah, playing. no, I
1: just, yeah, I know, I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. No, but
2: it's powerful to see a fellow that's won seven All Ireland's that's willing to actually. Say, do you know something? There's no, there's no secret to
1: this. It's just, here here we go. Well, I mean, that's why, and when I were touched on the MVP last week, for the season, that's why I gave it to McCurry, because I know I could see it, and I loved his, his chat afterwards, that it would have been easy for him. When Mickey Hart turns around to him in 2018, it says, they are not for me. And he's older. Like, uh, this happened to me quite young in my career. McCurry had been around. Easy for him to turn around and go, do you know what? Thanks, Mickey. I don't agree with you going to the states or whatever I'm just I'm just gonna work or I don't know if these kids are in I don't know I don't know personally but it takes stones to, to kind of go put the ego to one side and go, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And I need to go and I need to work on my game. And, and and the easiest way for me, Gaelic football is not that complicated a game, I don't feel if I'm a forward am I fast enough? Am I fit enough? They're, they're, they're physical things do so I need to work on that am I strong enough to, can I win my own ball can I go by player so if not I need to go to the gym am I technically good enough can I kick the ball over the bar on my right foot on my left foot from 30-35 yards that's the game that's Gaelic football right there it's easy to analyse it and if you're not good in one of those areas we'll go and get better at it go to the gym lose weight put on weight whatever's needed for you you know, that's it, it's easy to see if you have the mentality to say, well, I'm not good at this area of the game. Well, how do I get better? Talk to the coaches. Talk to people who you respect. There's loads of people who tell you you're not good. We touched them last week. I wouldn't be looking to the media telling you you're good or you're bad. That that could be uh, quite false. I talk to people you respect and coaches respect or teammates you respect in your club, in their county, on your county team. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. You know, you're not good enough at that. You can't win your own ball. You're too slow. <laughs> it might be as blunt, but but, but they'll give you areas where, and you would say, okay, now we're talking, it's, it's the 28th of September. You have three months before the season starts. So what are you going to do with those three months? Are you going to go to London with me every weekend? <laughs> That's no use. That's no use yeah. If you're finished, knock yourself out. But if you're talking about going back playing in the county football next season, what are you going to do with those three months? You, know? and-
2: you really should start a blog.
1: <laughs> I'm hoping to get a travel show. Do off the ball have a travel show as
2: well, no? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant way to finish. We, I, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Our friend of the pod, Roddy Collins, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he reckons he needs to tell the true story about this man in United thing. He reckons he wine and dine you. you
1: the there's give definitely you the wine. I don't know yeah. if there's much dining.
2: Yeah, give you the fine china in the house you know and you drank you drank and you, you had fun you signed for on and then you bottled it this is what he reckons <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, this was 2011 yeah so this was the road it was going down but Pat gave me the bullet Roddy was straight on Now Roddy he lives around the corner from me it and he's like true Roddy style he sets opportunity. So he says listen come round and It was decent at soccer it wasn't great no, but uh, they were in Division 1 at the time so the Rod Squad brought to be in the mix, and I went around the train. And was fo- this was the, what I was thinking to do? <laughs> Instead of like, do you know what? Forget about the guy, I'll Try and make it. Try and get signed in the transfer window now, next January. <laughs> and, uh, and I was fo- just talking to the club and Jerry McIntyre as well. And I just go, do you know what? He's like, what are you at? Is that what you want to do? One, you're useless at <laughs> you your Stonewall use as a soccer. You won't enjoy it, or do you want to? put the shoulder to the wheel and give this a go properly. So that was the couple of weeks. And look, what might have been, I love Roddy, he's absolute box office. But uh, yeah. I think I made the right call to go back training with the club and we ended up winning the winning the championship that year. So yeah, I, I did bottle the soccer now, I have to say. But yeah. uh, hindsight is a wonderful thing. I think I made the right call, despite I would have had some great stories about Roddy as well, now, I have to say.
2: When I was up in uh, two great people to be, Jeez McEntee and Roddy Collins, Jeez, they're too. two. too good
1: conversation.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see that fight. But they, the, um, <laughs> um, the, what was I going to say? Sorry. They, they, I was up in St. Vincent's actually when I retired in 19 I had to do an off the ball gig. And uh, Eamon Fennel was there, do you know? It was before yeah. the Dublin final. And Fennel was there and he was telling stories about pulling Barry Cahill out of his house in his pajamas. The yeah, yeah. Vingabus, was it the Vingabus you used to call it? Have yeah, you- but that, J- J- this was J- J- Dublin. Were you ever involved in this Vingabus? No,
1: it was just before, my brother would have been, Padder would have been, yeah. Oh. I think Padder was trying to drive the <laughs> uh No, it was before my time, very good stories about it, it was a Monday. This is this is maybe where Dublin were going around, about <laughs> uh they'd win a championship game in the first round. I think
2: we need uh, Fennell Fennel could be one of our boys, could he be one of our interviewers? Could he'd he'd, he'd,
1: yeah, be, he's very mature, mature now, You know, he'd be a great man now to, looking yeah. back. But uh, no, there was definitely some, some good crack back in the day now. But it was just before my time. Yeah. It, I tell you, I'm surprised if what well, still wasn't on because that's the type of mentality I had at the time. <laughs> to try and get on it at sixteen. Like
2: before we leave you Patrick, uh one book recommendation. Do you have any book recommendation for us?
1: Oh, um, give you a, a, a sports book I thought was was brilliant was The Boys in the Boat I think, that, is it Daniel Scott Brown? I can't remember your man's name okay. uh, The Boys in the Boat, it's a very famous book I actually think it's been made into a film now um, about the 1936 Olympics uh, really? the US Rowing team, it's just a great story it's very, I'm sure people will come across it, I read that a couple of years ago uh, so it was a great story very, very good and Jeez, and not, uh, no no
2: that, that's good we can go with that well, one. that's it
1: Graham one and done yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. L- lounging in your uh, lounger out in uh, Positano
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah on my <laughs> next holiday yeah yeah <laughs> it really is a travel blog now isn't it
2: <laughs> thanks Paddy uh, we're just going to leave you now with the, the the real story from the horse's mouth of the time you nearly signed for Man United. well Tommy uh, just a few questions for
1: Andy to ask Paddy right, and I know what you're thinking I'm out here in Spain after just arriving on me boat but well, you know what you're not wrong Tom you're not wrong Andy be probably saying that flash bastard out there in Dublin So look it is what it is anyway Paddy's version of events when uh, when he signed for me is totally different the way you're going to read in my book when it comes out um, Paddy came into my house accepted my hospitality he signed the contract he shook me hand again he, he drank me tea he had me breakfast as well and uh, as soon as he hit the media and Bridges were kicking up Paddy Bottle shame could have been a very good player Ooh, well Andrew that was, that was very kind of you I expected a bit more pro, I, mean, I thought you were going to put me under pressure but that was a uh... That was top class. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, and good looking back down memory lane as always. So um, you had a slightly longer career than me, Andrew. So I will uh, we'll go through some of the questions as well. A broader range to cover for you, but uh, I'll be very kind with you after that lovely interview. You <laughs> um, I suppose, Andy, look, look kicking off. Um, we, we've kind of chatted about this um, on on earlier versions of the pod and things like that. I'd have a massive interest in other sports. Uh, would it played, let's say, touchdown with that. He played soccer. Would, would have loved that. Would have watched a lot of hurl and rugby and things like that as well. And I know you had a similar type of story. With yes, you've ended up being, you know, this iconic GA player, one of Mayo's best ever players. But what sort of influence that other sports have on you in your formative years? You know, before as you start making the Mayo minor in under twenty one teams or through your teenage years. And and how important is it for I'm thinking young players today to maybe get that experience of playing soccer or rugby or handball or whatever it is, you know? And and how did that form you? How important was that in becoming the player that you went on to become?
2: Yeah, it's it's a massive part. I would um, continue to view the game of Gaelic football through the eyes of a soccer player. I think um, I was kind of obsessed with with. Uh, the the number 10 role in soccer where you kind of play between the lines. So much so, I I think at times in Gaelic football, particularly in my younger years, where I used to be more interested in giving the ball an assistant, where it needed to be nearly a conscious effort for me to, to be the scorer. Um, so, like, I used to love trying to, like, I, I'd get such a, a buzz out of playing a fella through a line or putting a ball in over the top or doing something really kind of fancy with the ball instead of just doing the, the right thing and kicking the ball over the bar. So, I think that got in my way a tiny bit. But all the kind of movement, the way you play, the way you stay close to goal, the way you kind of use your opponents and your, your teammates would all kind of come from a, a soccer background. But then I played handball, golf, basketball. Um, kind of every sport that was going on in the town. And what that allowed me to do was it made you into a team player. So where I was around the town, maybe the maybe the best soccer player, I was never the best Gaelic footballer. I was never the best handballer. So in handball, when you play doubles, uh, in, I played on the right-hand side because the best player plays on the left because he can use his left and right hand. Right. So I was always the guy that used to kind of supplement him or kind of get in around. So if you have that mentality where – Sometimes you have to be the star man. Sometimes you need to be the supporting cast. I think even that kind of helps you. And then you look at the technical aspects in soccer, where the ball is at your foot. You need to be really good technically. You need to be have a good touch. Your movement needs to be good. Your communication needs to be strong. All that, like, and then you get into Gaelic football, and all that then should come easy for you. You know, in basketball, the same. You're you're uh, training how to defend in a zone. You're training how to counter attack. You're training how to press. All these games, I just think, kind of supplement a player into becoming a better player. But I think the key one is sometimes you're the best. You could be, like you as a young fellow, you could have been the best Gaelic footballer because you were big and you were strong. But then you go and play with soccer with all kind of inner city lads who would have a way better touch than you, that would be yeah. running around you. And then all of a sudden you have to adapt your game and play a different kind of role and maybe be a centre-back in soccer or be a striker in soccer or centre-back in Gaelic and play a different kind of role. I think that's always helped. And when I look through my career, even the Mayo team now that's playing, the likes of Jeremy O'Connor, really exceptional soccer player, Stephen Cohn, a, a top-class swimmer, a water polo player, would you believe? Do you know, like yeah. with, Gavin, with Gavin Duffy who played you know, rugby and Aidan played basketball. Do you know, all these guys played different sports and I think it just gives you a fuller kind of picture of what a sport should be. And on top of that too, we were very lucky. Handball, we like we had the best handball club in the country at the time. And we were coached by a guy called John Gaffney, who was an all, all-famer, handball coach uh, at the time. And to see him in action, is his, his grandson Rory plays up front for Shamrock Rovers at the minute, but to see him in action at the time and how he coached and how he cared for people. Now, he was a tough taskmaster. He mm. would, Joe, you know, there was nothing easy. But if you were on, if he had, if you had him in your corner, like, you would, nothing would kind of, nothing would phase you because he would, Die you, you know. So I've even seen different elements of coaching. How, it, like we say in Gaelic, that we train hard, Paddy. If you're going to play, if you were going to be a good handballer, you need to train six, seven, eight times a week to even mm. compete. Do you know, in Gaelic football, we train three, four times. It's lovely to see that different kind of uh, aspect of different sports as well.
1: No, no, no. I totally right. I think it's absolutely. It, it's massive have that exposure to different things at a younger age and look at some of like, like examples like we had Michael there McCauley, obviously very famous the basketball background Kieran Donaghy obviously with with Kerry the influence that other sports can have and like you say it there if you're good at soccer if you're if you've the technical ability to be good at soccer you're going to be alright in Gaelic football <laughs> really you know it's like Mannion and stuff like that with us uh, Jack McCarthy would have been very similar as well so it's interesting to hear that, 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 because you do see other things ending, particularly in the States. I've I seen a documentary about Andre Agassi. You, you might have seen it on Sky, where parents seem to just push them into one sport, and it's so obsessive at that point. And I think, fortunately, we don't have that mentality in Ireland, but you, you do see that you have to be so dedicated to one sport from three or four years of age. I always would have been the exact same as yourself, that the exposure to different sports, the physical and technical challenges they provide, such an influence on, on how you perform as Gaelic and football. It, you could it, always see that I felt with your game, that yeah. that your movement was very. You could see that you were thinking about it, like nearly like a soccer player as well. Like so, it's yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with it. And you, you
2: gotta, uh, you, you, you got have, there, There's huge advantages in when you look at the soccer players, like Shami Coleman, Duffy. I don't know if you've seen them kicking the Gaelic football in the Viva. The no, no, yeah,
1: you know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You look at their games they're not the, technically the best soccer players in the world are they using elements of gaelic football in, in, in soccer are they using their physical ability their like is duffy using his like his ability his aerial ability in the in the box do you know are they using his jury like is john egan using his his, yeah. his do you know and they're, Ireland is a team of kind of um ireland is a is a is a country where we've A good level of soccer, good level of rugby, good level of Gaelic football, and all these kind of sports kind of supplement each other. And the key advantage Gaelic football has for everyone is that you use your hands and your feet. So you use kind of your four limbs, which gives you a huge advantage no matter where you want to go as the Australian rules, rugby, Gaelic football or soccer, it gives you a huge advantage. So my thing would be the exact same as you, and I'd be worried at the minute that soccer clubs are trying to tie guys in there at 14 where I think it's too young, where if you're going to make the call, make it at 16, 17, I'd encourage parents to get them, their kids, allow them to play. Now it's hard on a parent. I can see it myself. You would have three or four different sports going mm-hmm. on. I've only a seven year, six year old girl and she's playing tennis, swimming, Gaelic football and you're gone every day of the week, but it's actually really, really good for them because it'll help them in every other element of their life. And like you go into business, Paddy, and if you're only used to being the star man in a Gaelic football team, yeah. Like you're not going to be the star man at work. You need to be, learn how to be that Joe you know, that second player, the third player. You might get to the top eventually, but you need and other sports that you're not very good at will give you that kind of exposure to that as well.
1: Yeah. There's benefits it not just not just on the pitch as well, that different environments and, and operating them in your soccer or GA or basketball clubs. It's it's massive and I totally agree for for, for parents with, with kids and, and, and to kind of get them as much exposure to, to, to different things as they can. Um I'm going to go down the, the road here Andy I know you, you're a massive massive fan of college
2: yes <laughs> you, you, you
1: try <laughs> I'm back to college myself definitely
2: exaggerated definitely exaggerated <laughs> you
1: if you could go back and play another Sigerson again by God you'd, you'd bite their hand off for it um, I only realised Tommy sent me on you won three Sigersons? you were in that, that great Sligo IT team and then the, the all-star selection of, of Jordan's death when you spent yeah. some time there I just, for your folks, and this kind of gets lost uh, outside of the players themselves. You know, we talk about the and it's a really high standard, doesn't get much coverage. But your own experience of of college, of playing with guys from other counties for the first time, lessons you learned from that. And I suppose just the the enjoyment, like college football and the Sigerson Cup is about, a bit of crack as well as, as ultimately trying to, trying to win the thing. So what, what are your thoughts on, on your own experience of it, the lessons you might have learned? And I suppose what, your thoughts on it today, where it stands in the GAA today.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it's huge. I, I think basically where it stands is straight away is it gives a, a kid who's particularly people who might be good enough to get a scholarship. I wasn't one of those when I first went to college. But yeah. the guys that are coming up, we're trying to keep our top players playing our game. And you're giving a college the opportunity, you give a lad a a scholarship to go to college and maybe pay for his fees to play Gaelic football. Like, how is that not a fundamental part of our game considering we're an amateur sport? It has to be, it has to be straight in there, in my opinion. But then the on the football side of things, I I, I went to Tralee first when I came out of college for two months. Yeah. Right. Miss Mammy too much. Home I came. Uh, broke my wrist, got an operation on my wrist I didn't go back for two years so I went back when I was 19 and the Sligo had just won the Sigerson. they didn't win it the year pre- they won the, the it the year before that with an unbelievable team just players from everywhere great team, they won it in a storm against UCC I think it was just, it was, it was amazing and then we went in and I, I I was lucky enough, I was privileged enough to win with a team with Kevin Castie. now at the time Kevin Castie was just an incredible footballer. And that, was, that team was littered with with really good players, um, right from all the Mio books, from Paul Durkin and goal to Pat Kelly at fullback to Brian Maloney to all these guys. We A guy called Paddy Brady then with from Cavan, Kevin, uh, Kevin Cassidy. Barry is this
1: Clinton. 04, Andy? This is 03 04 ish. Or... Yeah,
2: so this is 03 04, the, the oh. time we won it. And then we won an 04 05 as well. But that team was just brilliant. But Cassidy was the man. Like he was the man. And for me to be exposed to a guy like him was, was insane. Now I couldn't socialize with him like because <laughs> I'd have ended up uh, maybe in Scotland or somewhere after it, but like <laughs> but to, to, to see him playing football and to see him dominating games from wing back, like was just all I needed. Like, I, like again, I went down there. I wasn't great. I was on a Mio panel, but I was only just on it. And, um, mm-hmm. I didn't really believe that I was good enough to play. Um, and then all of a sudden, I just started chipping away. Paul Finley was their class player from, yeah. from Monaghan, Christy Toy, just watching these guys. And all of a sudden, then I could compete. And the, them lads started trusting me as a footballer, giving me the ball. And then all of a sudden, I was thinking, geez, you know, I could actually maybe you know, get there. And uh, it was college that gave me the belief. Um, then in 05, not 4 0 Queens in the final. We hadn't a great team. That was not a Galacticos team. That was, for me, the Sigerson I remember. That was the Sigerson I remember. Yeah. We were very poor at times. I think we finished six all against Queens in the final. Uh, in, 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 yeah. in in yeah, in full time we got uh, a, a young guy Jamie Murphy uh, harshly sent off in the after twelve minutes. i had to go back wing back, uh, and we 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 bored out and we 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 drew six all and we won it. But that team was crazy. It was. Joe, that was the singing going in on the bus. That was the parties going on afterwards. That was that was all there was meant to be. And then lucky enough to go to Jordanstown then in in my last year. But again, all massive learnings for me. It was just going in, being exposed to top class individuals, footballers who were way way better than me. And for me to even compete with them, Paddy, I needed to train and I needed to lift weights and I needed to be good enough. Going back in September, October to college to make sure I wasn't made a show of in college. And that's the way I worked through. Gave me the chance, gave me the kind of foothold. Went to Jordanstown then, met great influences, like even Peter Donnelly, who, who's now with I a few I think, working. Um, but met his uncle, Adrian McGuckin, from Ballinderry, a superstar yeah. coach, um, but just a great influence. Mickey Moore was there. I had Mickey in 06. And, and just see the way the, the Northern guys... Think about football, care about football, operate around football like they love it. Like it's, yeah. it, it does mean more to them. Like, and football means a lot to me, but by god, I mean, I remember going out to Pete Donnelly's club and uh, Nafina in, um, where is he? Uh, sorry, can't think of it, but anyway, down to his club, and um, we, we went down, and I, I was there, and it was around the time the GPA was kicking off, you know. And one of the fellows was picking the flags, you know, and he goes, "What about the GPA?" And fellas getting expenses, and I went kind of talking well about the GPA. And Pete gave me a, a little nudge into the into the ribs and he as much as to shut up, you know. And your man went through the GPA. He goes, "We do it for the love of the game, and we pick the flags, and we coach, and like they, it just it was it was a religion to them, you know. And uh, it was just uh, Coal Island, sorry, is, the, is, is where Pete is from, but just they, they were they were it, it was just for me to see that, and then I could just kind of. I learned from it, brought it away, kind of just took lessons and then it allowed me to kind of go on then and kind of express myself as a footballer. Because my career for me all, Paddy, yes, I scored the goal against in Dublin and not 6 and those bits and those flashes of good stuff, but it really took off when I finished from college, when I could rest during the winter and use the lessons I was kind of learning from college and then kind of take off from there.
1: It, 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 it's massive and, it, and it's so interesting to hear that side of, of people talking about college football because like there's no two ways about it where it sits in the current calendar now intercounty managers probably see it as a bit of a nuisance that that, that the schedule it's, it's there in January, February and it, it eats into their guys and they're looking going I want my these players for the National League or under 20s it clashes with that and you're kind of thinking players there was always an issue with even under 20s, championship or under 21 for us at the time, it we was the championship game on Saturday. I can't play the college game on the Wednesday. And there was always back and forth. But when you actually break down the lessons you learn and how valuable it is to, to the development of players, and that window from coming out of school, we touch exactly what I was talking about. It takes a couple of years to go from 17-18 to, to be ready to play senior at the county. The Sigerson is a brilliant avenue for players to develop there and exactly what you're saying we had it with DCU and I know two of the best players of our generation Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy lived together in DCU and were like as thick as teams the pair of them openly both of those players would speak about how influential they both were on each other's careers in terms of Murph trying to get the physical attributes of, of what Flynn was like and, and Flinner learning about the, the technical stuff that Michael was so good at as well and i like and. and there were so many examples of that in my time with DCU and exactly what you were saying uh, with going with, with Jordanstown as well. So it is, I think it's a great angle to look at that. It's not the Sigerson winning a Sigerson is brilliant, but the lessons you learn and how it develops players as well. And I know you've been a big advocate of it as
2: well. Uh, yeah, but Paddy, just one on that, like Paul Finlay for me, right? So when mm. we were minor, we played Tyrone in minor in one and we, I remember looking at the Tyrone v. Monin, uh video before we yeah. went up and played Tyrone, and basically Tyrone were playing against Paul Finley, like it was the Paul Finlay show. He was amazing, so I was always kind of intrigued by this guy. And we go down not three, not four. Armagh come back from winning the All Ireland not two, to play him mm-hmm. on in not three, and Finley kicks the lights out to beat Armagh. Yeah. The next year he kicks eight, eight or nine points, and I go into training the next year. I, I, I don't have any kind of confidence myself. I think I'm okay, but not great. And this guy. It was hard to get boys training then because our team was that good, like we'd have a ridiculous yeah. team. So but there was one fella that was always, always there and that was Finley. And I just thought, me and Shawnee McDermott were actually there together. Shawnee just live out the road from me. And we were thinking, if this guy's going to training, yeah. <laughs> we better, if we have any chance of making this team, we better be going to training. So there could be eight or 10 guys there, Dennis Johnson training us and it's just there and Finley kicking ball, kicking ball, kicking ball. And like for a young guy from Balladrine... Been exposed to that level of excellence, like it was just, it was just. Mm-hmm. I like, I knew I had to to get near that. I knew I had to work up bit harder. Do you know,
1: massive, it's an eye opener. yeah, absolutely, and, and hopefully GA kind of takes some of that on board because it is a, a massive competition for for lots of players around the country. So, um, Andy, you've made no secret you're you're going down the Jose Mourinho road. No matter to coaching, you, you get that kind of. Passion from you, you know, and like I say we, we only kind of started speaking probably for the first time earlier on this year, starting this pod. Without a doubt, the, the infection you have for the game and your enthusiasm and your attitude towards it is, is, is incredible. Going down the coaching road, and you see this with, with, with soccer players that when they go down, they'd always take influence from coaches they've played under. And for you, starting up, who who would have had the the biggest influence on you as as a coach was, was it some of your underage guys and that set you up or was there guys at senior level where it was just an eye opener going Jesus th- this guy is, is off the charts who are the, the best kind of coaching experiences you've come across that you might base your own style on when when, when you go down the road
2: yeah so like I, I think the, the, the whole kind of coach manager thing is, is something that you kind of I think it's going to become merged now I think it's going to become it's going to it's going to become one where there's going to be a head coach kind of more so than Anton. Um, and like for me, John O'Many is, is 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 was the key influence. He was a father figure in my life when I was a young fella. Really, to be honest, like similar to what you were saying there, there was many times when I was fifteen, sixteen, where I could have just left it all behind. There was opportunities yeah. there where I could have left school after junior search, you know, all that sort of stuff. And his kind of football influence and, and little, just little nuggets around the, around the time was, was key for me. Like his preparation, we were 15, 16 years of age. Like the prep he made us do, the, the questions he'd ask, if you went to Omani with, and I'm sure Jim Gavin was the same, you went to Jono with a complaint like, you, you better be ready to answer three questions back about yourself before, before you go. So you'd have to have your homework done before you go. So all these top guys w- would have that and he would be a key influence on me. But more on the coaching side of it. I remember Keane O'Neill coming into us in, 11, right. in 2011. And we weren't really exposed to that. that or sorry, in 2012, we weren't really exposed to that level of coaching and detail until I seen him. So he would be still a major influence. I mean, he was just like he brought us to to a new to a new level. Like he he brought us to a new level. Just and he was only with us for one year, but we, was, was, that,
1: was that physically, Andy? Like your athleticism, your your, your physical training, or was it
2: analysis and their
1: yeah. tactics and things, or was it a bit about
2: everything? Everything in, in okay. terms of like uh, like we weren't like it, I, I think the biggest mistake that can be made about Donegal and Mayo in 2011, the same as Dublin, is that you could say, oh, these boys were no good. We were good. like We were okay. Like We we got to a a National League final in 2007. And even in 2010, when we got bet by Sligo and we in that National League, we bet Kerry, Cork, Derry and Tyrone all the way from home that year. So we were actually quite good. Only that we we made it, we could make excuses too easy. We could literally just go, you didn't track the man, but he didn't give me the ball. Joe, he, he didn't do this, but you didn't do it. John, Joe, we make excuses too easy, and we were kind of just always kind of looking for an out. Where when Horn came in in 11, when Keen O'Neill came in in, in in 12, there was no excuses. If you didn't do your job in the video, it was pointed out to you. You were saying, Why aren't you doing this? This is what we need to do. This is the way we need to get better. And for me, just kind of looking at him, his preparation, his attention to detail was huge. Donnie Bukin then comes in at in 13 again huge influence on me. Um massive in terms of we'd have very different personalities me and Donnie. We clash. we'd have clashed in the past. We would have honestly would have clashed because I'd be very kind of positive and <laughs> high fivey and Joe you know, American kind of stuff at times but he'd be more down to brass tacks and say just get it done stop with all the nonsense and just go so we would have clashed but I think and in a lot of ways, we'd have merged kind of in our way of thinking and what the skills of the game should be, and you how you should really focus on the the basics of the game, being really good at one job where yeah. I think we're in the, we're in a world now where everyone wants to be good at something that they shouldn't be good at where when I focus my job on just literally win the ball here Andy and try to kick put someone through a line or kick the ball over the bar <laughs> life became very very easy Paddy I'm sure focus. you were
1: safe. There's it gives them real, real focus
2: it, yeah, it gives yeah. it a real focus so they were really good and then we'd Buckley right through and then before that again a game changer for me was John Morrison and Mickey Moore in Note 6 not because they were not like we didn't win the All-Ireland it wasn't that we we played particularly well we had that great game with Dublin but there was a different way to do stuff we're like in Mayo we're very like we haven't won this All-Ireland round your shoulders until you win it you can't walk into a pub with kind of pride about yourself or you can't walk into a public place with pride about yourself until you win this All-Ireland where John Morrison was like hold on here now one second he goes you can have fun and play good football Do you know and he, he was he implemented funny very serious character excellent coach very different viewpoint looking at the game but showed that there's different ways around it and then Sorry now for dragging it on, but then my, like, the other coaches I remember is my time in Longford Town. I was just, Joe, you know, blown away by the level of detail. Joe, you know, the week of a game, you don't tackle each other. You know, it's all about technical touch, position, all that sort of stuff. Joe, you know, the way you kind of, we did a false course in Longford at the time. And there was a guy called Brendan Constein there, and we always had to go in. Watch the games on a Saturday evening that Glanford were playing. Who was the best player? What position they were playing? And why were they so good? How you covered, pressed the forward mm. movement, all that. So there was just there was a lot of kind of influences around the place, but they were the main kind of coaching in, a, in a Gaelic football in terms that I had.
1: Yeah, no, and, and that's, it's fascinating because when you have a career that you've had and and that length, and now that you're going into it yourself. It's what lessons you can kind of take from those those different guys because we've experienced, and I wouldn't ask any bad coaches, but what you've seen over the course of your career, club, school, college, county, guys that you go that brilliant, and then there's other guys you come across and go, I definitely wouldn't use that. That's that's not my style. So it's interesting to hear that, 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 those those couple of things, and, and I love that bit of the variety that that a new coach can bring that that you can have. You, exposure to one coach and one way of doing things but but like I say particularly like the northern coaches we touched on in Andy they're, like they're brilliant for renovation and I, I was like that we, we had Rory Gallagher coming to our club this guy from, from the north coming from, from Anna down into a Dublin club and we were only kids at the time and and he had a massive impact on the underage players in, in, in St Bridget's and the schools there because it was just a different way of it hadn't come across it but but before his style of coaching and the demands he put on you and how was his, his thoughts on play as well. So it is it's it's fascinating to, to hear that. And I'm sure you'll have
2: the, the passion and the energy that the the energy uh, Adrian McGuckin had for us. From Ballot, like the, the the passion he had for the game. Like he was like Adrian is 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 quite an elderly man now. He wouldn't like me saying that because he's fit as a fiddle. But like even when I was in Jordanstown, he was yeah. he, no, he wasn't a young man. And the passion, he'd be shouting at you, five-eighths. Like, he wouldn't say three-quarter pace, like it was five-eighths. And, you know, and, and all the boys loved him. And they'd have, like even all the boys from Tyrone, Derry, down uh, Armagh would have done anything for him because there's so much respect for him, Joe, because he was involved in the school game. So even that kind of positivity, using positivity as a competitive advantage, he, he was key on that. Like, it was always, you can do it, you know, this is what we need to do and away we go, you know.
1: A couple of a shorter ones handy here now. For, for I'd be interested to know, you know, you you won player of the year. You reached the kind of the, the individually the pinnacle of the game that we voted the best player in the country in two thousand seventeen. What do you feel was your best ever game for Mayo and, and why? Is there is the one that you look back on now when you have to to able to go? That was if you could watch one video yourself. Come back. That was it. That was the game where where it. And, and why and, and what was that like?
2: Well, there'd be two, and like it's funny one to say would the both be in two? One, really?
1: Jesus, we're here all day. Two.
2: Yeah, but, 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 like be, both of them are two thousand and seventeen. The first game against Kerry, two thousand and seventeen. You catch a hot streak, Paddy. You caught yeah. it against us in fifteen. You catch a hot streak, and Jesus, Anthony, you touch like I think my first touch was a goal, like you know, and you you you're away, and it's you know you're just you're you're delighted, but like. And then the second one would be Dublin in the same year in seventeen, and it's a funny one because I, I know you kind of never felt you kind of hit your peak against me, all because we kind of yeah. kind of sums to kind of take you out of the game in a way, yeah. you know. We, but to me that was the best game. I that's the best all Ireland final you'll ever watch. Like even watching it back, I could, Doing a, doing a few bits over the lockdown, and you, you watch it back, and you're just like, oh, geez, some of the points kicked, even rocks, uh, rocks point to win it. Um, some of the plays that day were, were 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 incredible. So, for me, an opponent I respected so much, in Simons, um having a toe to toe with him, do you know, and if you play well and you come out of them games and you do okay, I think you just need to kind of respect that and. It's mm-hmm. nearly probably out of respect for Mick Fitzsimons more so than myself. But I do, I, I do have that kind of.
1: Yeah, I, and, yeah I,
2: I had that element where I knew every time I was going in, if I didn't have my number right, like, and I played him in league games where I didn't get a possession, like, because I wasn't ready to play. And I knew every time going in playing against him, I needed to be 100% on my peak to have a chance. Mm-hmm. And when you are in and you do okay against him, I think I'd like, I'd have, I'd have looked back on that. And then the 2017 first game as well. Yeah. I, I,
1: I know it's, you, you talk to any player, you're chasing this hot streak. They you could spend a career trying to get it. What was it that year? Cause it was like, you'd been around a long time. You were kind of you were 34, was it 34 in mm. 2017?
2: yeah
1: thirty three coming thirty four and it was uh what was it or how how did you land on it because you've obviously been you've been doing all the right stuff for the three four years up to that point you were a massive player from now and I remember it was just any time you guys played that year and you, did you just play ten games yeah you yeah. to go on the final. it was like it was you know, some guy at times, you know, it's a bit of debate who's going to win player. Deal. Like this year, there's throwing him more of a team. Whereas that year, it was just nationwide. You were shooting the lights out. It was like this guy is having the season of seasons. Was there anything that something changed? Or was it literally just.
2: There's a few things, Paddy. Like, I thought I was coming in to a maturity when I was in 2011. Mm. And I was really happy where I was. Um, we played Cork, we played Kerry, did well, was playing compromise rules in Parnell Park, broke my leg. And I was just kind of, I thought it was just a break leg, but I was going to be captain the year after. So rushed back, did my cruise the year after, did my back. So I went on this run of injuries. And when I was there at 14, I remember saying to my famous wife at this stage, Jenny, at this stage, thanks to the pod. But uh, yeah, I remember cool. saying to her, if I actually could get my body right here, I yeah. like I, I could like have a serious kind of run in here, like to the end of my career, because I was com- still competing at fourteen. Like I wasn't great, but I still could go in and roll over the ball and someone fly over my head and just set up a score. Or come on and get a few scores or still be an influence. So I was thinking if I get my body right, I could go fifteen. Was the, was the turnaround for me. I sprinted in Donegal. I said it last week. I sprinted in that Donegal again for the first time in four years. Yeah. It was the first time I'd sprinted since I did, a, did, a, did my crucial ligament. And then came on against Dublin, did quite well. And then 16, I thought I was ready to rock. But Roche didn't fancy me. He just, at the time, he didn't fancy me. Well, I was 32, 33, a new manager, that and like you couldn't blame him for saying, Jesus, yeah, you know? it, it's, it's time to move on here. I just got very lucky, Paddy played a club championship game, shot the absolute lights out. Like, like never did it before, never did it since. <laughs> right. Could do it during the next Saturday, if the truth is Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but just shot the lights out. Uh, and he didn't pick me again the week after against Fermanagh. And I had a row with Tony McAtee on the pitch. Tony goes, you know Tony. Uh, to Tony yeah. yeah, yeah. And around with Tony and I, I just go, what do you want me to do? Like he said, you come on against Fermanagh, he said, you forced two shots and I said, sure, i have to start forcing something. How am I going to get back on the team? But no, week after, the go with me, they start me against Kildare and bang, away it goes. We lost to in 16 after a replay but I knew that winter, like I knew, listen Andy, the body is ready to rock here now. Hmm. So I just kind of went back into it and then it just took off like, Ratch- Stephen Rochford was so good to me, Paddy. Like, like, yeah. like, he was. Like, I couldn't run. Like, he knew if Mick Fitzsimons went up the pitch, he knew I wasn't going after him. Like, I couldn't. Like, yeah. if, I went, yeah. if I went after him, it's taking me five minutes to get out. I last 40 yeah. minutes, I'm gone. I was only good to last 55, 60 anyway. Right. Yeah. So, like, he built a wall. Like, he built two blockers for me. Like, he built Jason Doherty and Kevin McLaughlin, who were fabulous players in their own right. But they knew if, if they went, and Killian used to cover me as well, they used to go and cover me, man. And they allowed me to play. And at 33, you know yourself, you, the legs do start going. Mentally, you start going.
1: Isn't that amazing, though, Andy, the, the, the turnaround there from Rashford coming in initially and be kind of looking. And I totally get this. Coaches come in and all the players like, listen, you're, you're going to be under pressure for game time here. That The turnaround to then essentially build a forward line around you. Like that shows, I suppose, you're value that, that how you've kind of performed to get him basically a u-turn to say well do you know what actually you're integral to us you know that's, I think, I it, think it, that's
2: like, so that. Rochford's game more than more than james's game was it was a kicking game yeah. so he, he liked kicking the ball so if you look at our two goals we got against dublin in 16 and 17 yeah. one is a kick into aiden lee comes off the shoulder pops it off and he, he scores the goal and the second one is the ball comes into me i win it Laid off to he at least scores the goal yeah. again. So, but they're basically identical goals. Try to get through the centre channel. So his was a kicking game. So I needed a ball winner. Mm-hmm. We couldn't win ball at the time. Well, we, it's not that we couldn't, but we were struggling to win it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I just got a bit of form, and it just kind of it. it the two paths just crossed. Lovely. I
1: found that on that point. I, I oh, wholeheartedly because I was looking at you, and I, I would have always said similar type players that we weren't electric pace anything like that, and I was like how is Moran getting this many scores? And what's he doing? And I remember I was watching this against Cork and the Gaelic Grounds. He Cork in the Gaelic Grounds that year and it was, on, it was on Sky. And they put up top possessions. This was like 20 minutes into the game. And you were top. And you had like, I think by that stage, 20 minutes, you had about 18 possessions. And I was going, the, the way we were kind of playing with Dublin at the time, I could play 70 minutes and I'd have 18 possessions. And I was just kind of, I and mean, all of a sudden just realised Every time Mayo had the ball, look at the kick the ball inside? It was direct, and you were the target. And I was just thinking, geez, that is unreal. The movement of you to be that outlet. Ratchford giving you the license to kind of say, Andy, don't leave the 21. Stay in there. Use your energy. Be our outlet there. And the possessions you were getting, it started to click down. I was like, Jesus, that's why he's getting all these scores. It's not... And a lot of your scores were in around the middle of the goal as well. It wasn't out in the corner flag, and that was just a really smart. Like I say, that's brilliant coaching and management, playing to your player's strength. And like I say, I got the best out of you, and I was just think, geez, I wouldn't mind tugging out for Mayo. For a
2: lot of that credit, it was, well. it was an
1: incredible. Tony, look Tony, at it, it was, yeah, yeah.
2: Tony McIntyre as well. Tony McIntyre said he said, "Put anyone in the ball on the sideline." Yeah. what are you running out yeah. to side for and I was kind of like yeah, he said that to me as well yeah. yeah so I need to like I need to win the ball like, and he just goes yeah but you, you're no good winning out there <laughs> he goes we can get any, you know, anyone can win the ball out there they're soft possessions you're looking for soft possessions so they admitted that I wasn't allowed to go 10 yards either side of the post but like mm. you bury your legs Paddy you know yourself you're doing shuttle runs all day like you know mm. so they had to be smart kind of runs and like the the, the boys around me were just like, uh, like I've often said it. Like Jason Doherty, to me in my second half of my career was my A team mom. player. Yeah. yeah, he was the he was the, he was the guy for me. Like he used to just go at the forty-five. Mick Fitzsimons or Philly Mack going up the field. He used to go. I have Mandy, and I used to yeah. pair myself back in where I needed yeah. to. Pair, you
1: know? Um From the the best games and the right I, I found this. This is my first year out of the, out of, 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 kind of Inter County football. When did you realise yourself, you're two years out of it now, was there a moment where you kind of, you just knew yourself, you sit down with Jenny and say, look, I'm out, this is it for me. Was it a tough decision, that transition of, because you would 16 years, I like 12 with Dublin, you would 16 years in that team, it's a massive, I mean, you see the passion you have for the game, it is massive in your life. What was that like and, and how did it come about that, that's it, so I, I'm going to hang up the boots?
2: Yeah, like seventeen, Patty was fatal. Like, like there's no point, there's no point dressing it up. Like seventeen was fatal. Like, yes, I individually it a great year, but I did feel I like I'm sitting in the hotel room in seventeen, and I'm thinking, you know, is there any coming back from this? You know, really? then like like eighteen, then we we had the little fella. He didn't sleep for eight months. My dad died then five weeks later, and I was just kind of thinking. Joe, we had a horrible year in 18. So when Jane tried to go back in in 19, we said we'd give, like, we'd literally, we had the chat, as you said, we sat down, she said, you can't finish, like, we finished on 18. Because she'd be, like, Jenny.
0: 18
1: yeah. the Kildare match, Newbridge. Yeah. yeah. Without the qualifiers.
2: Yeah, so we had we, so, so, a horrible so. year in our personal life that time. We just, it was like, yes, mm-hmm. we had the birth of the young fellow, but it was just, it was a horrible year. Um, went through it a bit mentally that winter. And then, Jenny, like, when Horn rang, then James rang. It was just kind of like, Joe, do you know something don't finish on that. Joe, you know, going for yeah. another year, but like I was done before it started, really. Do you know? I was done before it started. I was, I knew, it was, I'd say you knew last year was your last year, too. Do you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I remember uh, the exact same conversation. We'd on, on the flip side that that, that seven day you felt was was nearly a fatal blow for you guys. We won in 19, and I don't and have said this. And, and subsequently, Jim obviously finished after that. The five in a row for us was like, um. Felt like a culmination for that group. Yeah. We've been yeah. building towards it for so long, and then we did it. It Was very emotional. It was it was really really emotional after, after winning that and the celebrations and everything that went. That was the the the, the pinnacle. So I was nearly ready to go at that point. Particularly when when Jim left then as well. It just felt like that that that's the end of that. That's time to kind of the next phase to come true. And I was ready to go. Very similar to what you were saying that winter. I was like. I'd actually spoke to a few of the lads and was thinking I'm out the door here physically I wasn't good. I felt I was struggling to be good enough anymore to be honest so that's always a part of it. but then mentally as well you're thinking you know maybe this is is the time to go and I met Desi exactly what you are saying with, with, with James Horn and said no and I actually left it to him I said what do you think like if you're a new manager coming in do you want to clear out exactly what you would have spoke with Rochford about do you want to clear out the old lads, really, and uh, and put your own stamp on it? And to be fair, Desi was like, "No, I actually think you can still play." Um, I want you, to, want you to hang on. So I was like, "Right, fair enough." I'll give it another go. And it turned out it was a shit show for me. It was like, kind of I was injured, did me hamstring three times, that year, and then COVID kicked in. So I mentally, I definitely knew I was I was finished, and I had no kind of qualms about it. Whereas you would have felt that in nineteen that you Horan brought you back and did you enjoy it or you just you just knew it was kind of but
2: i consciously enjoyed it uh, patty like I I, I, yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I I literally said i i wasn't a, like i was the main talker in the dressing room for a long time earlier before <laughs> i got hard to believe yeah 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 but like <laughs> then it was just i i consciously said don't go in don't be influenced because Joe, you have a different philosophy i was at that 35 years of age you're a bit crankier so i'd have consciously been quieter yeah. Like now with the boys, I'd have had the crack with the boys, and I'd have had good yeah. times in that 19 restaurant. But in team meetings and stuff like that, I'd have very rarely kind of talked and stuff like that. And I was kind of just kind of assessing it and seeing what James was really good at and trying to take lessons from him And yeah.
1: you know, Even then you're thinking about your own coaching like lessons. Oh
2: yeah it. I was thinking about coaching 14 when I was injured Patty, because I was thinking mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I'd get back you know so I was kind yeah. of okay. I was kind of thinking then I've been coaching the club for a couple of years now as well so yeah. it's um, I was kind of I was kind of doing that anyway so it was um, yeah it was it was a real interest I, like really kind of enjoyed it but in a very different way we won the National yeah. League which was lovely and like, you were flaking us in 90 in, in the semifinal. And I remember just yeah. looking up and just thinking, Joe, I 10 minutes there to myself. <laughs> I so, but the ball never came near me for 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes there to myself thinking, yeah, good times. Let's move on. And I just kind of wiped my hands with it then. And like, was it difficult? 100% it was difficult. Was it, it wasn't any way difficult up to March 2020. I went to my last game, worked for a local radio station, did the movie Kerry game. And about a month later, then football was gone. Remember football? That was the last day of football that day because yeah. of COVID. And a month later, it hit me a bit. And then I just started doing different stuff then. But it really? hit me then. I was kind of, there was nothing to do. I had to think about it. I know football. And then I missed it for a while. But there's not, Paddy, I'm sure you're the same. Bar actually, the fun of playing the game at the bit yeah. of crack afterwards. There's not another bit of it I miss. But there's yeah. Joe, yeah.
1: you know, I, I,
2: I read. Here, Andy. Yeah, I read another bit, uh, a bit from Joe Canning, like and I loved it. Like I like, geez, I was at yeah. it for so long. I was at it for nearly all That's my life. life. Yeah. yeah. So like, like I look at a video now of Balladrine playing the game, and I'm way too hard. I'm, like even now, like I'm 37, coming 38 in November, and I'm still thinking, why haven't I doing this and this and this? <laughs> and I'm, just, yeah. like, I'm exhausted thinking about it. So I I can look at everybody else doing it. Once I'm on the tape, I struggle with it. So there's none of that I miss. There's yeah. none of the like coming up to the all Ireland final. There, there was none of that pressure, none of that anticipation. Massive none of that. Pressure, it? it is, yeah. And then, but the, the game itself may be tiny, but but the aftermath is 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 what you miss.
1: Yeah, and the the, the decision itself. When when what when did you announce it?
2: Um, I announced it. Would you believe a week before. The- <laughs> I remember getting grief. I announced it the week before you played your first game against Kerry in '19, and they said like the the Dublin boys are having the crack at me on Twitter. They said you couldn't even give us the five in a row. (laughs)
1: Looking for some (laughs) airtime.
2: But I I was I was doing an interview and I just said I rang Horn. I rang James. I said, listen, I'm going to announce this. Just letting you know first.
1: Yeah, what did James say? Or was it a quick conversation? Or? I,
2: he knew I was gone. He said, are you sure? I, was, I said, I'm 100%, James. It's time to move on here. like you know? And, yeah. uh, like, uh, I remember, it's quite that, easy in the end, in a way. Oh, yeah, it was a relief off my shoulders. Yeah. It was done. And I, I remember just thinking, I'm a grown man here with two kids running my own business and I'm running around with a pair of shorts on me on a Saturday it's evening.
0: It's
2: time to grow up here, Andy. You know? I need to look after her. My, my own little girl, she was coming to that age where she was going to football and stuff like that, and I needed to, I needed to just kind of concentrate on that. So I, I was very comfortable. Um, I was doing a couple of interviews that week, coming up to the... And I just said... You're never out of the media now. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's all going to change, Paddy. You're taking over, man. Uh, <laughs> The key is to get out first, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> ah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> out there, Hoover up all the good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something better comes along.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just did I just I was doing it I said, Do you know something? I said, by the way, I'm actually retired. I'm out the gap. I'm out the gap, yeah. You had a good run though, didn't you? Oh I good innans and uh but like I, I seen them times in not four, not six, not all them through to not nine and how it changed in terms of professionalism. We great tiny dirty doors like do
1: you know like the crack because that's sometimes a bit too much crack but look we got yeah, there yeah. And, uh, but they, they, they were they were
2: listen
1: Andy that was uh, that was top class I actually enjoyed that one so we gave Tommy credit for that Tommy's finally changed the contracts again but that wasn't a, that turned out pretty well
0: so Andy thanks a million for sharing that with us that was top class
2: Patrick appreciate
0: it lads that was brilliant stuff Thanks very much for your time again. I hope everyone at home enjoyed that, listening in as much as I did. Fantastic. Um, episode 21 of the Football Pod is in the books. We have another episode coming your way next week with a big guest that we will reveal before mm-hmm. before next Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe or get the OTP Sports app if you want to get that interview first. Andy, we're going to leave this week with a word on Paddy Pernagast, a Mayo legend that passed away this week. So I'll, I'll give the last word to yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure I can do the the man justice, uh, member of the 50-51 team, um, just a giant of the game here in Mayo, do you know, renowned as just his play, his football, his, his full-back play, the way he dominated the the, the area in which he played, but his club, Ballantubber, from him right through, have produced so many great players, including James Horn, Killian, cheering with all these guys, and um but like, what what a, what a legacy to leave, and I'm sure he told when they when they lifted the cup, and Sean Flanagan lifted the cup in '51, they wouldn't have been the last team to to, to see it since. But um, an amazing legacy, an amazing person, someone that we're very proud of keeping her flag flying down to Kerry for many years. And uh, I heard his his, his teammates, uh, Dr. Mick Loftus, talking on the way to the All-Irena final. On, on, I think it was off the ball as well. And uh, Joe, they're amazing characters and uh, they have great stories to tell. And hopefully someone has documented along the way as well.
0: 100%. And, and commiserations to, to Paddy's family. Uh, a real legacy. Andy, you're right with that one. Lads, we're going to leave episode 21 of the Football Pod there. It was a pleasure listening to you. Fantastic stuff. Really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to catching up with you again next week so thanks a million and to everyone at home thanks for listening in and uh, see you soon see you
2: guys. guys